Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey. Welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you, as we're so blessed to be able to come together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at this hour, live at 4 o'clock, and then repeating the program at 10 o'clock on those days. And Fridays when Cheryl steps in for two hours and joins me for Friday Live, as she will tomorrow. Uh, hoping you're uh, all batting down there and not blowing away. My goodness, I hear the wind outside. I, I stepped outside a moment ago. and You know, it used to be when we had storms like this, I would I would cringe because inevitably I'd see uh, shingles from our roof all over the property. Well, you know, last fall we had the wonderful um, donations from so many of you who allowed us to get a new roof over our heads. So that doesn't happen anymore. But I, I did step outside just to see what was going on, and one of our gutters is coming down. <laughs> if it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, you know, and I, I was thinking about this, and I've, I've often meant to ask this, and maybe I shouldn't, but I will. Why not just cast the nets, you know? Uh, there's a lot of little things like that. Like this probably just requires a couple of, you know, somebody get on a ladder and hammer in the the uh, little, little uh, bolts into the, you know, through the gutter into the house, into the building. And, and I, I can't do that. So, and we have um, three air conditioning and heating units up in the attic that the filters need to be changed and I can't get up there. If there's ever anybody who's looking for a little handyman work to do, um, I, I'm going to have to say... On a volunteer basis, if you want to serve the Lord in a special way, uh, give me a call because there are little things like that that I just can't get. Done. Not a lot of them. Like here, there's two things I mentioned: the, the filters and the air conditioning and heating units, and the uh, now the gutter on the one side of our building is partially down because of the wind. Um, if you'd like to volunteer and, and maybe do something like that, and you can be socially distanced, they'd be outside upstairs and not be in contact with anybody. You can do that. Um, on a, on right now, on a volunteer basis, we can't. We're gonna be, you know, gonna be frugal right now because they, I can't afford to pay anybody. Um, but anyway, you know, maybe the Lord. I, I cast the net. You know, always, every time I do that, the Lord always comes through. And he, as I was sitting here earlier, pondering, what shall I do about our gutter now? Uh, I just said, well, the Lord said, well, just ask, just ask. So <laughs> I'm asking anybody who likes to do a little bit of just, you know, using your hands, using your skills, which I have none of, by the way. Any any type of skills like that, I don't have any of that. Uh, but maybe there's someone who, you know, is either retired or just right now furloughed and wants to just, you know, give back a little bit. Um, that would be a great thing to do for us. I'd appreciate it. Uh, just give me a call or send me an email. All right. Well, anyway, today is Thursday. It's Catechism Day. So uh, we're going to go to the Catechism, pick up where we left off last week. Uh, we're talking about the resurrection, teaching about the resurrection from the Catechism. And, and yesterday I didn't have a chance to share with you Holy Father's Wednesday general audience. He was He concluded his teachings on the Beatitudes. So we'll do that today as well. But before we do that, my brothers and sisters, we're going to pray. And as always, I invite all of you to join me in prayer. And uh, again, you know, our, I never know, you know, who's listening, who's watching, how many people, where from. I just know we put the signal out there and uh, the Lord sends it to people who need to hear it. So 
Right now, it's time for prayer. So if you have special prayer needs, I'm inviting you to raise them up with us. And you have a wonderful uh, domestic church media prayer family here, so ready, willing, and able to pray with you and pray for you, not just here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, because our signal now goes all over the place around the world via all of our uh, means and platforms of communication. Thanks be to God. So we have people praying for you all over the world. And um, so let's come together now. You know, the, the virus can't keep us apart. We're together right now. You know, uh, we're not contagious. We are uh, physically, socially distant, but we are so united in heart and mind right now and spirit. Uh, they can't divide that. They can't separate that, can they? So we'll come together across the many miles in prayer. And uh, as I've been asking you, my friends, to please pray uh, for each other, with and for each other. But also, if you would remember to pray for our president, President Trump, and all of our leaders uh, during this uh, crisis. Um, but I think especially the president who has the, the entire weight of all of this on his shoulders. And, um, you know, he has to deal with so many other adversities along the way. So keep him in prayer. Um, he, I, as I read, I, I read he had a wonderful conversation with some of our bishops here over the weekend. Uh, and uh, he said he and Melania watched the Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral on Sunday. Um, so I do believe that for as, as, as rich and powerful as he is, he understands, especially now, the dependence on God and that all the things that the world has to offer mean nothing, that we have to go to the Lord. So let's, let's pray that he receives that grace to do and act under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, do what he has to do under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and for all of your intentions. And we're praying the prayer that Holy Father gave us to pray um, to protect us against the uh, virus. So let's begin in the name of the Father. And of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who, at the foot of the cross, were united with Jesus' suffering and persevered in your faith. You know our needs, and we know that you will provide, so that at, as, Cana, as at Cana in Galilee, Joy and celebration may return after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the will of the Father and to do what Jesus tells us. For he took upon himself our suffering and burdened himself with our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. And the prayers now that our Holy Father asks us to pray uh, for uh, to rather, um, St. Michael the Archangel and the beautiful ancient a subtum presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my friends, as always, I thank you for uh, praying together and encourage you 
to send your prayer requests to us because uh, this coming Monday already is the first Monday of May, and uh, Bruce DeBacco will be here at 3 o'clock live with his uh, wonderful program, Come to the Throne. We'll open up the phones and invite you to call in and pray with him. And also, we encourage you to send your prayer requests to us uh, during that hour. You can send them anytime, actually, and we'll have them here in the studio for Bruce. And during that hour, he will pray for you. And we've already received uh, quite a few, which is great, because I know Bruce really looks forward to coming down here and uh, spending time with you each uh, time he's with us every first and third Monday. Now, can you believe it? Tomorrow, already May 1st, my goodness, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, and uh, a special day here in the Diocese of Trenton and around the country, actually. But we'll start off because we're going to bring both of these liturgies to you here on our stations at noon tomorrow. Bishop O'Connell here in the Diocese of Trenton will be celebrating a Mass for all workers. As you know, tomorrow was the feast day of St. Joseph the Worker. And so tomorrow at noon, Bishop O'Connell will be celebrating a special Mass uh, again, it's not a public mass, but it's being, I think, from Tom's River in uh, St. Um, Joseph's in Tom's River. It's not open to the public, but he'll be there uh, celebrating the mass that we're going to broadcast. And uh, it's also going to be on the um, Diocesan YouTube channel as well. So you can watch it there on the YouTube channel or just listen here on the stations, and we'll broadcast it uh, at noon tomorrow. So we won't have the regular EWTN noon mass tomorrow, but we'll have Bishop O'Connell celebrating the mass for all workers. And then a very, very, very special and powerful event at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, of course, is First Friday. Bishop O'Connell normally is here at 3 o'clock for his program on First Friday's The Shepherd's Voice. But tomorrow, because the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, as well as the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, are uniting... And at 3 o'clock our time, noon Pacific time, at the same hour of here, of course, the hour of mercy, which is great, uh, all of the bishops in this country and in Canada will reconsecrate their country to the Blessed Mother under the title of Mary, Mother of the Church. So a very powerful, it's a very it's a special prayer, kind of a prayer service, reconsecration. There's... I don't know if it's posted on the diocesan website. Uh, it, it, it may be. Um, I know Bishop sent me a copy of the format he's going to be following. Um, well, there's some thunder outside. Thank you, Lord. We know you like that. Um, so we'll be uh, bringing that to you live tomorrow at 3 o'clock here on our stations uh, and at all of our pl- audio platforms. So you will have a chance to participate in the reconsecration of the United States of America to Mary, Mother of the Church. And uh, Bishop O'Connell will be joining his brother bishops across the country and also the the, uh, Canadian bishops who will be consecrating Canada to Mary, Mother of the Church. So a very powerful hour tomorrow, 3 o'clock, our time. Uh, And, you know, we're living in very— I was When I was standing, I didn't go all the way outside because it was a little bit rain, but the wind was, was howling, so I wanted to see what it was doing out there. I opened the door— of the building, and it's just a very, very unusual time that we find ourselves in. The weather doesn't add to it today, does it? Between the thunder and the wind, and they said the heavy rains are coming. Um, but you know, we again, we mustn't fear. We mustn't fear. You hear a lot of people. You know, a lot of uh, uh, people. You know, this is the end times, and some of our Protestant friends are saying you know, the rapture is coming, and all this other stuff. 
Don't be afraid. You know, hey, listen, the Lord may be coming in a couple of minutes, which would be great in my mind. If Jesus came, uh, you know, at, at uh, 4.15 today, I'd be happy <laughs> um, because we've been waiting for that for 2,000 years. We should be anticipating, joyfully anticipating that return. And we hope we're ready. But, you know, this, again, as we talk about this time of isolation, this time of, of uh, being um, um, in our little domestic churches, making them places of prayer. Holy Father, Pope Francis has said, beginning tomorrow, May 1st, pray the rosary every day in your home. He said, pray the rosary every day in your home, in your little domestic church uh, during the month of May. Pray it every day, but especially during the month of May, dedicated to our Blessed Mother. There's so much opportunity for prayer, uh, uh, spiritual reading. Um, you know, I know, I know, I know everyone is hungering for the Eucharist. I know that because, you know, with, with the, the inability to attend public mass, people are making spiritual communions, which is beautiful. Uh, but, you know, I, I know you're hungering for the Eucharist. Uh, we're very blessed here at the Apostolate because Cheryl and I are able to go into the chapel and spend time with the Lord before the tabernacle. We're able to, to be in that environment. We don't, you know, we, 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 we come here on Sundays, we uh, put on the broadcast of the Mass, and we participate in the chapel as if we were at Mass. Um, so we can be that much closer to the Lord. But I know that there are many people, all of you probably, who, who are listening and watching, who are hungering, hungering, hungering for the Eucharist. Uh, as the nuns used to say in the old days, offer it up. You know, now we'll see what it's like to be in other parts of, even other parts of this country, which in many parts of the upper Midwest, they don't even have masses once a week because there's such a shortage of priests and there's so, the distance between parishes is so far. So um, we know, but all of this is going to end. All of this is going to come to an end eventually. We're even seeing some of that now. Some of it happening pretty fast, which is, in my mind, again, you know, the skeptic that I am sometimes sending up some uh, questions about, okay, well, why all of a sudden so fast and how is this happening? And But again... We get off that, off that side of the boat and go on the other side of the boat uh, to be with the Lord, you know, and just say, look, we'll walk with Jesus through all this. He'll see us through. We mustn't fear. But again, tomorrow, a very, very special day. Uh, at noon, we'll bring you live the Bishop's Mass from uh, St. Joseph's and Tom's River, a Mass for all workers. And then at 3 o'clock, you can participate with all the bishops in the U.S. and Canada in reconsecrating this country, and in Canada, the Canadians, uh, reconsecrating Canada, to the Blessed Mother under the title of Mary, Mother of the Church. So a very special time. And then, of course, then Cheryl and I will be here at 4 o'clock for Friday Live, and Bishop O'Connell is going to join us by phone at 4.15 tomorrow. He'll be one of our guests tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure to talk about the reconsecration, kind of update us on where we are in the diocese and uh, some things that are happening. So... Bishop O'Connell will be here with Cheryl and me at 4.15 tomorrow by phone on Friday Live. So we hope you join us then. Of course, then Bill and George will be here at 6 o'clock for Brothers in Arms. Father Steve DeLacy with the vocation hour at 7. So our first Friday lineup is intact. Uh, the only uh, slight change is Bishop will not be here in the studio, but rather uh, doing the reconsecration of the country with his brother bishops that we'll broadcast. So uh, an exciting day tomorrow, day dedicated to St. Joseph. You know, I was in our chapel earlier this morning after morning prayer. We have this beautiful, beautiful statue of St. Joseph in there that our friend El Spieta donated so many years ago. 
a, a wonderful statue of, of, of Good St. Joseph. And I just kind of stood there in front of the statue and prayed to Good St. Joseph uh, to just to start, help us to go to the Lord and, and turn this whole situation around. Uh, people are beginning to really, really suffer. You know, you hear more unemployment numbers out today. And uh, it's just, it's almost, like I said, it's very, very surreal. But the Lord will see us through. And uh, tomorrow, May 1st, Feast of St. Joseph, a special day. All right, let's go to Holy Father. This is from yesterday. And uh, Holy Father is, uh, concluded yesterday his teaching on the Beatitudes. Uh, he, uh, the last Beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Well, very appropriate. <laughs> You know, with our church doors closed and the governors saying you can't, you know, go there. Um, interesting. Pope Francis uh, said the holy, uh, sorry, noted that the happiness promised in this final beatitude is the same as that of the first, the kingdom of heaven. Pope Francis said, thus we understand that we have arrived at the end of a, un a unified journey that gradually unfolded as Christ proclaimed each succeeding beatitude. The Holy Father said the path of the beatitudes is an Easter journey that leads from a life according to the world to a life according to God. And isn't that the story of our life? You know, I mean, we, we're born into this world and we live in the world. We're, we're, we're called not to be of it, but, but certainly we, we have to be in it. We're here. Uh, and and that's the that's the the struggle sometimes we find ourselves in, but all along the way, and the Holy Father pointed out that the Beatitudes uh, is a path that really isn't what he called an Easter journey, that leads from a life according to the world to a life according to God. The Holy Father said this this evangelical path, however, cannot be approved by the world with its idols, its compromises, and its priorities. The all-too-human structures of sin that we find in the world can only reject the gospel values of poverty or meekness or purity and declare that a life according to the gospel is an error and a problem. And we see that in the world so many times. You know, we will be persecuted for our faith. We're not suffering a bloody martyrdom in this country yet, but we know there are brother and sister Christians around the world who are, but I'm sure you have, as I have in the course of our faith, you know, we've, we've been made fun of, we've been mocked, we've been questioned, we've been uh, told that we, you know, we, we're, we're following a, a, a false god, and we, all, this, all kind of stuff. So Holy Father said that the all-to-human structures of sin that we find in this world uh, can only reject the gospel values, especially of poverty or meekness or purity, and tell us that life lived according to the gospel is an error. So Holy Father said that when the world sees people living the Beatitudes, there is a discomfort that calls for decision, either to be open to discussion and goodness or to refuse that light and harden the heart, even to the point of opposition and rage. And we know that happens. You know, as I said, we're We've not had that in this country. Kind of, I shouldn't say we, you know, many, many, many years ago, a few centuries ago, when they were building the cathedral of Saints Peter and Paul in Philadelphia, which is the cathedral down there, uh, 
But did you know that when they were building that cathedral, and I'm not quite sure, it may have been the late, early 1800s maybe, but when they were building that cathedral in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, <laughs> that they eventually had to put, and you can see this now in the cathedral, the stained glass windows are very, very, very high up on the building. And the reason is, is that when they were building that cathedral, and initially the original plan had the, the windows down at a more reasonable level, people in Philadelphia were throwing rocks at them and breaking the stained glass because they had a, 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 an enormous um, opposition, many of them, to Catholics in this country, in Philadelphia. So we certainly have faced that. Uh, there was a time, I think, and we can go back, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago when in this country, because of the uh, immigration, the legal immigration from Europe um, that, that brought the church here in many ways, whether it be the, the, uh, the Italians or the Irish or the, the French, coming over and bringing Catholicism to this country in a, in a big way, uh, there was a, a greater respect for the church during that certain period of time. We, we see that reflected in, in movies that were being made in the 1930s and 40s. And, you know, people, people had a great tolerance for the, for, for the faith. But we're seeing now a, a turnaround where people don't have much tolerance for, for Catholics and Catholic belief anymore, do they? And so Holy Father said that, you know, this, this, uh, uh, when the world sees people living this way, especially living the Beatitudes, there is a discomfort that calls for a decision, either to be open to discussion and goodness or to refuse that light and harden of heart, even to the point of opposition and rage. And he said, this shows the drama of persecution, but also reveals the place of liberation from subjugation to success, vainglory, and the compromises of the world. The Holy Father said, for those who reject the, happen, the trappings of worldliness because of Christ are happy and blessed. And he said, because they have found something more valuable than the world itself. And maybe this is one of the fruits that will be born from where we are right now in this crisis, where we've been forced to be less worldly, right? We've been forced to be less of the world because we've been told to stay in our homes. We can't go and do the things we used to do regarding entertainment, you know, bars, restaurants, sporting events, theater, concerts, those type, which are, are, are fine in, in and of themselves, but can, can become obsessive, I guess, in some ways. You know, how many, how many, of course, it's not football season, but how many tailgate parties are, are attended as opposed to mass on Sundays by Catholics during that football season? Uh, the Holy Father once more noted with sorrow the ongoing persecution of Christians, which is greater now than it was even in the early centuries of Christianity. He said, we must hope and pray that their tribulation will be ended as soon as possible. And he urged Christians to express their closeness to their persecuted brothers and sisters, the bleeding members of the body of Christ, which is the church. And he warned us, though, that hearing the final beatitude should not lead to a self pitying attitude or a victim mentality. Pope Francis said, when Christians are despised by others, it's not always synonymous with persecution. 
Sometimes we are at fault, he said, because we have lost the taste of Christ and of the gospel. And he pointed to the example of St. Paul, noting that when Paul thought he was righteous, he was in fact a persecutor. It was only after he realized that he was such that he converted and became a man of love who faced gladly the persecution he suffered. You know, remember the conversion of Saul. Uh, He was a Christian persecutor. We read that in yesterday's Acts of the Apostles. By the way, I have to apologize. I was referring to Philip as the Apostle Philip. It was the deacon Philip. My mistake, my error. I was thinking apostles as I was teaching because I mentioned the apostles didn't scatter. So anyway, yesterday, today's reading too refers to Philip, but Philip the deacon, not the apostle. Um, But as Holy Father said, um, facing exclusion and persecution, if God grants us the grace, we will make our lives resemble the life of Christ, who for our sake was despised and rejected by men. That's why Jesus said, rejoice and be glad when they reject you and utter every kind of falsehood against you. Rejoice and be glad because we, we are so united with Jesus there in that persecution because he himself was despised and rejected. And Holy Father said accepting Christ's spirit in our lives can lead us uh, to truly love the world even to the point of offering ourselves without compromising which, with its deceptions and even accepting its rejection of us. The Holy Father said... Um, This is the life of the kingdom of heaven, the greatest joy and true happiness. And that's the that's the the uh, dichotomy. You know, we we live in this world, and and it can be we you know every now and then we we can taste a little bit of heaven on earth, especially at the reception of holy communion or or attendance at mass. That you know, I once heard someone say, if if uh, the mass is being celebrated properly and the people are are attending with the right state of mind and frame of mind, and the world came to an end and you went to heaven, you wouldn't even know it because it would be the same. That's how glorious the holy sacrifice is. And don't we all miss that now? Because really, when you stop to think about it, it's true that when we attend Holy Mass and we especially receive Jesus in the Eucharist, that we are literally touching Eternity, that's as close as we can come in this life to literally touching eternity when the sacred host is placed on our tongue or placed in our hand and we place it on our tongue. We are literally united with eternity at that moment. Without the Eucharist available to us right now, we're missing that in a, in a, in a, in a very real way. And I think in a lot of ways that's the great hunger that people are, are experiencing because you know the, the, the benefits and the fruits of the reception of Holy Communion. And we pray one day soon that will, you know, that's going to turn around maybe this month of May under Our Lady's intercession and intervention here as the bishops reconsecrate the country to her, that we'll see as we enter into May tomorrow that by the end of the month, on the 31st, we'll see a totally different world, that we'll see a, a better world a holier world, a world where people will be back to church and mass. I don't know. I, I can pray, as you can pray. We can hope. Uh, but, you know, you, you have to give, give it all to the Lord and give it to Our Lady and let the miracle happen because that right now looks like what it's going to take 
I think people are still so much afraid, and they've been frightened by the media and by uh, social media uh, to a point of you don't even know. I was, I was saying to Cheryl last night that we were having dinner, and I said, you know, if you go down the list of all the possibilities with this virus, you can't win because if you have the virus, stay inside. If you had the virus and have the antibodies, people will now tell you, but we're not sure that those antibodies really protect us uh, from getting it again so you could have it again. Or if you feel great and never felt sick, but you probably had it and didn't know it, so stay inside. All these things, there's no until the virus is gone from the earth, and that's not going to happen. And Well, God can do that, of course. But people are so uh, um, afraid of each other even and so wary of, of each other. We may never get back to the point where we're, we're embracing, you know, so freely and, and, and things, but I hope that doesn't last. I hope that we, we, we don't lose the handshake. And not at mass, though. I'm not a favorite fan of that. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if we, if we don't do the handshakes of, during the time of peace at mass. Um, but, but, you know, there are certain things, that great fruits that can come out of this, too, that we, we suddenly prioritize and we see the things in our life that were really important, and that when we get back to living the life the way we used to and, and as close as we can anyway, that we'll have a greater understanding and priority of, of, of how we should live. And hopefully, our faith will be at the fore. Hopefully, people will begin to practice their faith more fervently and more, more uh, um, joyfully. And, 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 you know, getting out there and really wanting to be a witness to our faith. And I'm praying that people haven't gotten so used to being away from Mass that they said, well, what's the point? You know, I watched it on TV during the quarantine. Why can't I do that now? Or, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, you stop going to Mass and, and you don't return. I just hope that doesn't happen. So, well, again, tomorrow we'll put that in the Our Lady's hands. I'll take a break. When I come back, I want to go to the catechism and talk about the resurrection and uh, more to come. So don't go away. Paul II stated that, for the disciple of Christ, evangelization is a duty, an obligation of love. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church states that evangelization is necessary for salvation. So we know we're called, but how do we do it? St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. To learn more, contact us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com.
Hi, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Man who's free to love is free to hate. He who is free to obey is free to rebel. Virtue in this concrete order is possible only in those spheres in which it is possible to be vicious. A man can be a saint only in a church in which it is possible to be a devil. You say, well, if I were God, I would destroy evil. Well, if you did that, you would destroy human freedom. God will not destroy freedom. If we do not want any dictators on this earth, certainly we do not want any dictators in the kingdom of heaven. And those, therefore, who would blame God for allowing man freedom to go on hindering and thwarting his work are like those who, seeing blots and smudges and errors in the student's notebook, would condemn the teacher for not snatching away the book and doing the copy himself. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go to goodshop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit goodshop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's goodshop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. Goodshop.com. From Titusville to Tom's River. Bluebell to Barnegat. Rumson to Roebling. Washington Crossing to West Long Branch. Farmingdale to Flemington. Spring Lake to Stockton. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. All right, welcome back. It is Thursday, it is Catechism Day, and we're going to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church during this beautiful Easter season. Let's not forget that, you know, we can be brought down a lot by what's going on out there, but it is Easter season, and we are rejoicing. We should be celebrating, and even though we're in the midst of this uh, very serious situation, not just in this country, but around the world, um, it is Easter, and, you know, this should actually bring even more to light uh, our end on this in this world, what it, where it will lead us, prayerfully and hopefully. Uh, before we do that, just want to remind you again, tomorrow, first Friday, May 1st, Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, 
uh, that we will bring you two very special events here on these domestic church media stations. At noon, we'll bring you uh, a Mass celebrated by Bishop O'Connell for all workers. That's the intention. So that's going to be live at noon tomorrow here on these stations. And then at 3 o'clock, as I said earlier, and as I hope you know, um, Bishop O'Connell will join his brother bishops around the country, and the the uh, U.S. bishops will join the Canadian bishops all at the same time. This is going to be a very powerful uh, time tomorrow at 3 o'clock here, Eastern Time, uh, noon Pacific. So they're all doing it at the same time, not you know scattered about it. Everybody's, the power of the prayer of these successors to the apostles consecrating our country to the Blessed Mother under the title of uh, Mary, Mother of the Church. And we really have to pray. You know, we've tried everything else, haven't we? We hear all the stories about the hydroxychloroquine and the other medications and the vaccines and, the, you know, all the things people are trying and, and uh, the uncertainty of the virus. You know, it's this uh, tricky little thing because nobody knows what it's doing or what it's going to do unless they tell us that anyway. Um, but we, have, we, we know for certain that if we give it to our Blessed Mother and she brings to her son these intentions, uh, just as he did at, Ca- at the wedding at, at Cana, uh, we will see. You know, she says, do as he tells you, and, and so we do. And if we say, you know, Blessed Mother, we, we, we have no way out of this but through divine intervention. Please go to your son on our behalf. And so we take, and the bishops will take, the country tomorrow, and reconsecrate it to the Blessed Mother. And let's see what happens in the month of May, a month dedicated to Our Lady. And, of course, that's not the end. That's just the beginning. And the Holy Father, again, asked every person to pray every day in their home, because that's where we are, <laughs> little churches, pray the rosary. And so that reinforces that that consecration, that reconsecration, reinforces by the people of God what the uh, the bishops have started and, and begun, and we follow up there with the rosary. And I know we have the rosary on uh, three times uh, during the course of, actually four times during the course of our, our broadcast day. We have it at, the, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we have it on again at 9.30. We have it on at 3.30. And again, it's at uh, 7.30 at, I'm sorry, um, 9.30 at night. So you can pray with us. You can pray on your own. But as I said yesterday, you know, when, whenever the rosary, if we ever have a little glitch with our schedule, because a lot of our programming is, is generated through a computer automation system. There's nobody here pushing buttons every, you know, every, every half hour. The computer does all that. So if there's a glitch with the computer sometimes, mostly due to human error, uh, mea culpa, um, and the rosary doesn't come on, I hear from people. I don't hear from people if the other programs don't come on. But if the rosary's not on, I hear from people. So I know you're praying, which is great. And uh, you count on it. So let's heed the exhortation of our Holy Father and um, pray the rosary during the month of May. Every day, he said, in our homes. You know, we can, again, these, these, our homes are little churches. They're little ecclesia domestica, little domestic churches. And we need to really solidify that in our, how we live, our prayer life, our witness to our children and each other. Uh, but pray the rosary every day starting tomorrow in, in your home and reinforce the bishops. Join us at 3 o'clock tomorrow uh, for that reconsecration. And then at 4 o'clock, Cheryl's here uh, joining me for Friday Live, as she is every Friday. And our first guest tomorrow at 4.15 will be Bishop O'Connell by phone. 
Uh, so we look forward to talking with the bishop and getting an update on uh, the situation, but also to hear more about the consecration. I'm really curious about this. Um, and he'll be with us at 4.15 tomorrow. Uh, and then um, other guests along the way. Jim's here with the weather, music, talk, all kinds of stuff. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune. Uh, it all starts at 4 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, Bill and George are here with Brothers in Arms. And then 7 o'clock, Brother Steve DeLacy with the vocation hour. So our first Friday lineup tomorrow, first Friday already in May. Can't believe it's May already. Hopefully all these April showers will bring lots of May flowers and we'll get some nicer weather in May. We had a beautiful day a couple of days ago, right, when those blue angels flew overhead. Um, uh, hopefully we'll get more, more and more of those days in May and into the summer. And hopefully by the summertime, the beaches will be open. You know, and I, I don't think you can hold Jerseyans back from going to the beaches, quite frankly. Uh, and one last thing. Um, as you know, we postponed our spring radiothon. We always have it uh, right around uh, last week in Holy Week. We did not have it this year. It was not an appropriate time to have it. Um, and we postponed it. We didn't cancel it. We're going to have it. We're just not sure when. <laughs> We're waiting to see how things transpire. So um, because of that, though, because we, we count on our Radiothon to um, raise the funds that carry us through April, May, June, July, August, September, because we haven't had it yet, well, we don't have those funds. So we count on you. Now, um, all nonprofits are feeling the pinch. You know, your, your parishes, the diocese, and other nonprofits are all feeling the pinch. Um, but, you know, every first... Tuesday in December is designated as Giving Tuesday. And the organization that puts that together, the Giving Tuesday organization, is having a special Giving Tuesday this coming Tuesday, May 5th. And we're going to participate. Uh, so the encouragement is that this coming Tuesday, May 5th, which just so happens to be, by the way, the 17th anniversary of the incorporation of Domestic Church Media, we incorporated on May 5th, 2003. Um, but I'm going to ask you, please, as a kickoff to the month of May, it costs us $25,000 a month to operate all of the apostolate, the whole thing, 25000 All four stations, all of our media platforms, everything, insurance, you know, electricity, phone, utilities, 25000 a month. And um, we have not been getting that. The Radiothon always kind of picks up that slack and more and takes us into the, but we didn't get that this this year because we haven't had the Radiothon yet and we're not sure when we're going to have it. So again, my friends, thanks to all of you who are supporting us. And I'm asking those of you who have the, the capacity to do something for us in a special way as kicking off the month of May uh, with Giving Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, May 5th, and hopefully we'll be able to raise $25,000 in May. That's kind of a goal. Let's just raise what we need for May and take it a month at a time, right? Um, so pray about that because we, we do need you. All right, let's go to the catechism. And uh, we left off last week in the section on the resurrection. Of course, this is Easter. And paragraph 645 says, By means and touch and the sharing of a meal, the risen Jesus establishes direct contact with his disciples. He invites them in this way to re recognize that he is not a ghost and above all to verify that the risen body in which he appears to them is the same body that had been tortured and crucified, 
for it still bears the traces of his passion. Yet at the same time, this authentic real body, the new properties of a glorious body, not limited by space and time, but able to be present how and when he wills, for Christ's humanity can no longer be confined to earth and belongs henceforth only to the Father's divine realm. For this reason, too, the risen Jesus enjoys the sovereign freedom of appearing as he wishes in the guise of a gardener or in other forms familiar to his disciples precisely to awaken their faith. And again, my friends, this is something that we as believers believe will happen to us. We, we're not going to resurrect in our own power, you know, but we're going to die in this world. Our body will be buried or cremated, and our soul will go home to the Lord. But on the last day, Almighty God will recreate our bodies, the bodies you have right now, will be recreated and reunited with our souls. But as our Lord showed, that it will have special uh, properties, so to speak, that uh, it will be able to be, well, first of all, it's outside of time in the sense that it's no longer bound to the earth, confined to the earth. Uh, some people say, as we saw with, um, um, who was it we were reading? St. Teresa of Avila, who envisioned saw souls ascending to heaven. And she said they were about 30, looked about 33 years old. You know, so wouldn't it be great, the body you have now, without all its imperfections as it was at, when we were 33, and, and be, to be perfect and be glorified? That's not... It's not a possibility. It's it's not a uh, a theory. It's it's not uh, something that you know uh, we hope will happen. It's something we know will happen. And so Christ, by his resurrection, uh, was was uh, a great a great event, obviously in in and of itself. But then showed to us what awaits us at the end of the world. Paragraph 647, O truly blessed night, sings the exalted of the Easter Vigil, which alone deserved to know the time and the hour when Christ rose from the realm of the dead. But no one was an eyewitness to Christ's resurrection, and no evangelist describes it. No one can say how it came about physically. And the Catechism says, Still less was its innermost essence, his passing over to another life, perceptible to the senses. Although the resurrection was an historical event that could be verified by the sign of the empty tomb and by the reality of the apostles' encounter with the risen Christ, still remains at the very heart of the mystery of faith, as something that transcends and surpasses history. This is why the risen Christ does not reveal himself to the world, but to his disciples, to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people." And, you know, I'm sure you've seen and you watched at one time or another, programs or documentaries about the Shroud of Turin, which has been around for many, many, many years. And they still can't figure it out. It traditionally has been believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus. And usually around Easter time, it was on a few times. I watched a couple different documentaries, and we had the very great blessing 
uh, a few years ago on one of our pilgrimages to go to Turin and when the when the shroud was being exposed and um, I was as, as as close to the shroud as I am to, to one of the walls here in the studio to think that that may be the cloth that our crucified Lord was buried in. And there's nothing to say. Now, of course, they can't prove it was, but there's no explanation for the image on the cloth. And the image that bears the same wounds that we know our Lord had. And, and they can't explain how the image got on there. It's, they say it was it's a forged painting. It isn't. There's, there's the, the, they, they believe that it was by some event that created you know, enormous light that, in a sense, burned the image into the cloth. And that's probably a poor word to use. And there's just no explanation for it. You know, there was a time there where they did that carbon dating, and, and uh, they said, well, it only went back to the 12th century or something. And they later found out that they took the, the edge of the cloth, which, you know, had been exposed and in its transition or transit from, you know, country to country, that it, it, it had some, some pollen from the Middle Ages, all kinds of stuff. But then they have studies since then have been done where they trace uh, there are traces of of plant life or pollen that goes back to the first century Jerusalem. So, but it's not a, it's not it, it's you know our faith isn't based on the shroud of Turin. The shroud of Turin is just another example of of the glory of of the resurrection. Because it's something beyond human understanding. It's a mystery. This the mystery of the of faith is something that transcends and surpasses history. The resurrection, our catechism says. And in paragraph uh, 648, the Catechism says, Christ's resurrection is an object of faith that it is a transcendent intervention of God himself in creation and history. In it, the three divine persons act together as one and manifest their own uh, proper characteristics. The Father's power raised up Christ the Son and by doing so perfectly introduced the Son's humanity, including his body, into the Trinity. Jesus is con- conclusively revealed as the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. St. Paul insists on the manifestation of God's power through the working of the Spirit who gave life to Jesus' dead humanity and called it to the glorious state of lordship. As for the Son, he effects his own resurrection by virtue of his divine power. Jesus announces that the Son of Man will have to suffer much, die, and then rise. Elsewhere, he affirms explicitly, I laid down my life that I may take it again. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, of course. And then the Father contemplates the resurrection from the perspective of the divine person of Christ who remained united to his soul and body, even when these were separated from each other by death. By the unity of the divine nature, which remains present in each of the two components of man, these are reunited. For as death is produced by the separation of the human components, so resurrection is achieved by the union of the two. And, you know, all of that is such a great, great, great mystery to try and understand. It, it, it's beyond the, the, the limits of our human understanding. That's why it's a mystery. Even though... We know it happened, and we believe it happened, even though we know that 
Christ has never left us. He, he ascended into heaven, but he, he's left us, obviously, the opportunity to receive him body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist that contained in that sacred host is the same Christ who rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday, who walked the streets of Nazareth, who was born in Bethlehem, who ascended into heaven, who sits at the right hand of the Father, that same Jesus available to us in the Eucharist. This is why so many people are hungering right now, especially those of you who I'm sure uh, were daily communicants. I know I miss that. I miss it. Sometimes I'll be coming over here to the station thinking about my day ahead, and I think, okay, but I can't do that at noon because I have to go to Mass. Oh, no, I can't go to Mass. <laughs> there is no noon Mass. You know, I, I love, I used to go over, and I'm hopefully one day will again be able to go, but, but uh, we all miss that. And we especially miss the reception of the Lord in the Eucharist because it is the re- risen Christ. It is the real, true, substantial presence of Jesus. It is as close as we'll get to heaven in this life because we literally consume Jesus, as I once heard Father Groeschel say, so he can consume us. So there's, there's, a, there's something missing in our spiritual life right now. And which perhaps will teach us to uh, really um, understand how blessed we are to be able to have that available to us on a daily basis. There are many places in the world, and even in, this own, in our own country, where they don't even have Mass every day or even every Sunday. So now we see, okay, what would it be like? You know, and thanks be to God for technology. We can watch the Mass on, uh, that's being streamed from so many parishes. We can listen to it here on the radio. But it's, there's nothing like actually being there and being completely united with the Lord in the liturgy through word and sacrament in the presence. You know, and that's what Holy Father said. He said, don't, get, you know, don't, don't think that these uh, virtual viewings of Mass is going to become the norm. It's not the way Mass was intended. Pope Francis said this recently. I, I keep thinking I have to get that, his exact uh, statement on that. But he said, don't get too used to this. Don't think it's going to continue, you know, this is going to suffice for Mass attendance. It's not. Mass is intended to be attended (laughs) by the people of God. And we will have to go. I hope we'll want to go. I hope it won't be an obligation anymore. It'll be like, I just can't wait to get there. It'll be interesting to see what it'll be like on that first Sunday that public Masses are being celebrated again. What the churches are like. And, you know, if, if, if the parking lots are packed and the pews are packed, don't get upset. Be grateful and thankful <laughs> that they are. Rejoice in that. You know, we say, gee, I come to Mass every, 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 every Sunday and I'm sitting next to someone who I haven't seen in years. He's taking up space. So what? Praise God. Thank the Lord for that. I'm praying and hoping that when, when public Masses are said again, that the, the parish, the churches will be packed. And not just for a week or two, but for a long time. We've seen what it's like to be without it. We celebrate this glorious season at Easter as we share this, the, the, the reality of the resurrection, what that means for us. 
and what Christ has done for us and what he's left us and his presence with us in this world. As I said, I, I am very, very humbled that you know, we have the opportunity here at the station to spend time before the tabernacle. And I pray for all of you, and I do. I pray, I pray for all of you and your intentions. I always pray for our apostolate and the listeners and the supporters and the viewers and the family that we have here at Domestic Church Media before the tabernacle. Every day, morning prayer, evening prayer, sometimes even day prayer, I go in there and do the day prayer, daytime prayer. And I include you in our prayers because I know that I'm very blessed to be able to be here where most people can't be in front of a tabernacle right now. So I do pray for you, and I thank God for that. And we have to rejoice in that, my friends, that one day it will return. We will be back uh, with the Lord again. But during this Easter season, you know, it's, a, it's an odd Easter, isn't it? It's an odd Easter. Uh, we're so used to this time of year, especially even, even the weather in April. This is unusual weather for April. Cold and rainy and you know, the temperatures are, are way below normal. And it just, something is out of sync. And perhaps, as Mother used to say, you know, Mother Angelica would say that nature is rebelling because of the sins of men. Mother Angelica would say that. So we have to put things back in perspective, put things back where they belong and understand what our, what our role and position here is in this world. To not be in of the world, we have to be in it, but not be of it. And things will become uh, with a greater understanding of what we have, what we need, and what's most important. Okay, with that, I think I have to go. There we go. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow, 4 o'clock with Cheryl. Uh, Bishop O'Connell will be one of our guests. But do tune in at noon tomorrow for Bishop's Mass uh, for all workers. And then at 3 o'clock, the reconsecration of the country uh, to Blessed Mother under the title of Our Lady uh, Mother of the Church. So, again, thanks for being here. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you and God love you. In me.